This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. So I don't know about you guys, but but I kind of like to play games. I, I like to play a lot of kinds of games, and and for me, for me, I'm mostly fond of sports, right? So I, I like basketball, for example. Um, what games do you like? I'm sure as we shared, right, there were a lot of different games that we shared. Maybe some of them were the same, but probably a lot were different as well. Well, this morning, I want to share with you the most popular, the most often played game in the history of the world, okay? I mean, going all the way back and including up to today, the most popular game. In fact, I'm willing to bet that some of us here this morning have already played this game today. And if you haven't played the game today, you probably played it yesterday. And if you didn't play it today or yesterday, I'm really, really sure that you played it sometime within the last week. Okay? The game is the blame game. Uh, for, for example, a little uh, three-year-old, I'll call her Alyssa for some reasons, okay? Uh, she's writing on the wall with her crayon. What she doesn't see is Jackie walking into the room behind her, okay? Jackie questions, did you write on the wall? You know, her heart races, Alyssa's face goes flush, it's red. She turns around with the red crayon in her hand and announces, no. You know, and then Jackie responds, well, then who did? And without missing a beat, uh, Alyssa says, Andrew did it. Her brother, right? Good call, good call, except for the fact that, that Andrew wasn't at home, right? And so Jackie then asks, says, you know, Andrew's not here. And Alyssa, without missing a single breath, goes, Mindy did it. Okay, uh, Mindy's not Alyssa's sister, right? Mindy's the family dog. <laughs> right? There she was trying to protect a tarnished image as if it were really polished and pristine to begin with. Yeah? Well, I want to take us back in time now. I want to take us back to the very first, the original setting of the very first blame game, okay? So here it is. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, 
the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So let's unpack this now. Let's unpack it back from from the original point of view and and then into our lives too. So so let's get real. So one of the things that that we need to understand and realize is that we often fall into the blame game because we place ourselves in circumstances or situations that we shouldn't even begin to be a part of or be close to at all. Okay, so for example, for Eve, when Satan started speaking to Eve, what she should have done was immediately turned away and muttered under her breath, but loudly so that Satan could hear it. Is this guy out of his mind? This is paradise. It's beautiful. God made everything, including me, and I love him. And this guy wants me to question God and his character, his integrity, his motive. This guy's an idiot. But that's not what she did. And it's often what we don't do as well either. We listen to the temptation. We play along. We, we try to get as close to the edge of the cliff as we can without falling over because there's some excitement by the edge of the cliff. And it kind of looks good over there too. Thing is, is, is what I need and, and what you need too is a better understanding of the horribleness of sin. See, sin isn't just making a bad choice. You know, I I blew it. It was a bad choice. You know, sin is rebellion against God. The God who made everything, including you and me, when we sin, what we're saying to him who made us and everything is, "I, I know better than you. Even though you made me, I know better than you. I'm rebellious. See, when we sin, what we're saying to God is, God, I want to de God you. Because I want to be God. And that's a problem. And when we run into problems, what we often do is blame. And as as we look into the scripture, we look into our own lives, what we see is that we often blame our circumstances for our sin. For Eve, the circumstance was the fruit looks good. Oh my goodness, this looks great. That's the circumstance. I'm told, I I didn't see the report, but I'm told uh, that it's been said that Officer Matt Rittenauer would be alive today if his alleged shooter hadn't had a dysfunctional childhood growing up. You see that? They're, they're, they're blaming the childhood, the dysfunctional childhood for growing up. Take us, for example. Our closed closet is pretty full, right? Uh, it, we go to the store, we, we walk in the door, and there's all these clothes right in front of us. We're not necessarily looking for anything. They kind of look nice or whatever. But then there's this sign that says, sale. Oh my goodness, 
gotta get it. It's on sale, right? The sale is the circumstance that we blame for our materialism, our wanting more. We blame circumstances and situations for our sins. I would have done it. I, I would have got to it, but I, you know, Facebook, I was on Facebook so long. You know, I got caught up on Instagram going through the stories or the Twitter feed, and, and we blame social media for us not getting things done. Have you ever burned your mouth with pizza? Who'd you blame? Or what'd you blame, right? The pizza. <laughs> Golly, you know that pizza's like it's sitting on our plate waiting for us to get distracted so it can jump off the plate into our mouth and burn the roof of our mouth. That darned pizza, you know? Or, or we grab something out of the microwave. It's hot, right? I burn, man, a cup burned my hand. Oh, well, I'm just going to tell you, you know, when you open up the microwave door after a little thing, it's going to be hot, right? Just going to tell you that. It's going to be hot, right? We get angry when circumstances aren't the way we want them to be. Life's not fair. We, we wake up in the morning and we cop an attitude that, that ruins our whole day because the weather's not so good. Well, we blame circumstances for our sin. Not only do we, we blame circumstances for our sin, uh, but like Adam, we often blame other people. This is what the soundbite from Adam was like. He said, the woman, she gave me some fruit from the tree. It was her fault, right? Uh, she gave me some, I wouldn't have done it, but she gave it to me. We blame other people, right? If, if my boss wasn't such a jerk, I wouldn't be acting like a jerk either. If she would have done the right thing, I wouldn't be gossiping behind her back. If he wouldn't have talked back to me, Mom, I wouldn't have clocked him. I wouldn't have cheated on my spouse if they were there for me. That police officer gave me a speeding ticket. Because you were speeding? <laughs> when confronted with, with doing something wrong, parents will often ask their teenagers, well, if everybody was jumping off the cliff, would you follow them and jump off too? It's something for you and me to think about as we're facing temptation. It's what it is, jumping off the cliff, if you will, right? Who do you blame? Parents, employers, coaches, teachers, neighbors, referees, Joel Embiid plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's a really good player. He's going to be playing in the NBA All-Star game later today. Uh, this past week, the 76ers lost to the Boston Celtics. And in his post-game interview, he made it really clear that it was the referee's fault. Cost him 25K. But, you know, because the, the 76ers, they played a perfect game. They didn't miss a shot. They didn't have a turnover. They never missed, you know. It was just blaming the ref. So we blame circumstances, we blame other people, and then check out what Adam pulls off in the scripture. Um, Adam speaking to God, the man said, the woman you put here with me. Adam's blames God. Unreal, right? We'd never do that. No way. 
except we do, don't we? Uh, you know, we, we wouldn't blame God for anything unless maybe it was on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, you know, the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know. I, do you ever blame God for a relationship issue that you have, a, a health issue? For, for a dead-end job, for a job you don't have, for circumstances that aren't going the way you want them to, for a death? Here's one. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I, I hear it so many times. It's just unbelievable. If God were a loving God, why isn't he taking care of world hunger? Uh, and this is often questioned and said, and, and people doing the blaming are often people who live in really nice houses, have really nice cars, uh, go on luxurious vacations, go out to eat all the time, and never donate anything to stop world hunger. But we're going to blame God. So we blame circumstances, we blame other people, we blame God, and Eve even has another one says, when the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Eve blames the devil for herself. Doesn't happen all that often today that we would blame the devil for herself. Years ago, some of you will know this, years and years ago, there was a, a comedian uh, who whenever he would say or do something naughty, he would say, the devil made me do it, and the whole crowd would just laugh, right? Well, uh, I want you to know blaming the devil is a, a whole lot better than blaming circumstances or other people, certainly, certainly a whole lot better than blaming God, but it's still not a great place to stand, Right? Holy Spirit has these words recorded for us that, that show us that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Friends, this side of heaven, temptations are going to come. They're going to come. There aren't going to be any new temptations. These are reused by Satan and our sinful flesh, the world, right? Now, Satan will tell you that, oh, this is, no one has experienced what you're experiencing, but he's lying to you. We blame circumstances. We blame other people. We blame God. We blame the devil. But why? Why do we do that? Because we want to avoid responsibility for our thoughts, words, and actions. We want to place the blame on someone else. We don't, we don't want to be caught doing bad. We don't want to be, you know, thought of as someone who is bad. And so we, we shift it off. And here are some ways. And you see if you find yourself in there, in this, in this lesson, we give you about six things. Uh, see if you find yourself in any one of these. And uh, if you're like me, you're going to find yourself in more than one of these ways, okay, of handling guilt improperly. One, self-justification. I did it, but it wasn't my fault. I did it, but it wasn't my fault. Uh, I had an example of this this past week. I, I was emptying the dishwasher like I always do. Um, 
you know, first service, Jackie just about coughed up a lung on that one. Uh, so I, I was emptying the dishwasher like I sometimes do. And I had some pots and pans in my hand, and, and I went to place them in the, in the cupboard with the other pots and pans. One of the pots was kind of tilted in there, and I figured, well, I can just set it on top, and it'll be all right. And, and I, I set it on top, and it all came crashing down. And, and I called out, wasn't my fault. Really? <laughs> you know? Another way that we improperly handle guilt is we project it onto someone else. It, it's their fault. It, you know, uh, they did it. They are the ones who should feel guilty. Uh, another way that we improperly handle guilt is, is we repress it. Right? We, just, we just don't deal with it. We get busy with something else. We, we do an activity, uh, an effort, a work or something. We just kind of put it underneath the bed. Another way that we improperly deal with guilt is uh, we get compulsive over it. And, and so we set this super high standard out there and we go for it. We're going to be successful. And so we become workaholics or perfectionists to try and cover up that. Another thing that, that we do is, is we get obsessive about guilt. You know, we either did something wrong or we were blamed of doing something wrong. And from there on, it's my fault. Someone else is actually guilty, but we'll take it on because I'm not any good. It's, it's my fault. I had my hands in there some way, somehow. It's my fault. And still yet another way that we improperly handle guilt is sublimation. And that's when we work through our guilt in socially uh, acceptable ways where we use a negative emotion like anger. Anger isn't always a negative emotion, but it often is, right? And, and so we use our anger to accomplish something good. So we, we're really upset about a, a situation or a cause, and we go out and protest, and it's, it's really not in love, right? But it's in anger we're going to do that. So when we set up this series a number of weeks ago, and I knew we were going to be talking about this, I knew it was going to involve me, right? Okay, I'm that smart. But I didn't know how much it was going to involve me. As I'm working through this, this lesson, and I'm starting to peel the layers off, and there's more layers, and there's just more bad stuff, I'm finding all along the way. I need a savior from all my sin, and including the sins of blaming. How about you? You know, and because of the Holy Spirit too, I, I want a new heart. I want a new heart. So what do we do? The first step is accept responsibility and avoid hypocrisy. See, that the thing with the blame game, the more we play it, the more we lose. See, excuses and forgiveness are opposites. As long as I can excuse myself, I don't need forgiveness. As long as I can excuse myself and place the blame on someone else, they're the one who needs to change, not me. We need to confess our sin. See, very seldom today do, do any of us hear, I sinned, it was my fault. I was tempted, I was enticed, but I did it. It was my fault. It all is on 
me. The thing that we need to do when we accept responsibility, admit our sin and, and confess our sin, is remember that nothing, nothing, not even sin, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. When we sin, what we need to understand is that when we confess our sin, we're not limiting God in any way, shape, or form. If anything, we're allowing God to just pour himself out on us and his love and his forgiveness. We all need a deep working of the Holy Spirit in our lives or we'll continue on in the blame game. Let's get real. Here's the good news. God promised a winner in the blame game. And it's not you because you've never blamed anyone. You know that's not true, right? It's not you because you've been able to stop blaming circumstances, people, God, or the devil. No, that's not. And it's not you because you blame so well that you're like Teflon and nothing's been able to stick to you. But Jesus has defeated the blame game for you. He took on all your sin, all your guilt, all your shame, and all your blame. And he paid for it in full on the cross. Paid for it in full on the cross. And this is true for you, whether you've been a lifelong Christian or whether this is your first time ever hearing anything about Jesus. Jesus came and took on everyone's sin, guilt, shame, and blame. And so even though Jesus was absolutely perfect, he took on the sins of the whole world and actually then became the greatest sinner of all time because he took on all our sin. Have you ever been blamed for something you didn't do? How did that make you feel? I mean, like, like I wasn't in pick and save today, or at, right? And so somebody comes from pick and save, they go, Bill, we saw you, you stole from pick and save. Really? I'm going to be really bothered by that. And Jesus takes on all of our sin, even though he never, ever sinned even once. You know what? Jesus didn't get bothered by that. He didn't get angry. He didn't start pointing fingers and defending himself. No, but he acted out in love, even to the point of death. Guy who walked with Jesus on the face of the earth, a guy by the name of John, he writes this uh, about Jesus. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I, I ran across this quote this past week, and I just love it. It's from one of the reformers from back in, in the Middle Ages at the, at the time of the Reformation. And he said, when Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ died for sinners. God's solution to guilt is blood. Not yours, but his. 
When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they, they tried to cover up their weakness and their sin by, by putting together some fig leaves. And God came onto the scene and he, he covered them up with animal skin. You know, when you think about that, what that means then is that blood had to be shed to get those animal skins, right? It's kind of a, a foreshadowing. God would put into place the sacrificial system in the Old Testament where the people would have to sacrifice animals when they send it. And those animal sacrifices actually never, ever uh, atoned for the sin, but it was a constant reminder for them, a constant reminder of them how horrible sin is and that the Savior, the Messiah, would actually have to shed his blood to forgive people their sins. So John the Baptist, the prophet, as he sees Jesus, as Jesus is just getting ready to start his earthly ministry, John the Baptist looks at him and says, look, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At the cross, Jesus shed his blood so that you and I would be covered no shame, no sin. Erwin McManus, pastor of Mosaic Church in Los Angeles, says this. God is warring for peace, but he entered into our violence. So you look at the cross, you look at Jesus on the cross, and it becomes this tragically perfect intersection of the human story of violence and the story of the God of peace. And God fights the war unfairly. Instead of trying to overpower us, he surrenders himself to us, is crucified, so through his death, we have life. This is the most unexpected battle strategy in human history. God wins the war by losing it. And the Holy Spirit has these words recorded for us. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Because of Jesus, you have nothing to prove. Because of Jesus, you have no one to impress. Friends, isn't that a different way of living than we're used to? Because of Jesus, you have nothing to prove. Because of Jesus, you have no one to impress. Because you see, because of Jesus, you don't need to hide. You don't need to feel shame. You don't need to blame. Because through Jesus, you've defeated the blame game. And that's a different way of living. In Jesus, let's be real. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we come before you, and boy, I'm, I, I just have this ton of baggage. Things I was carrying around, things I were, was relying on, and, and those things really weren't you trying to prove and impress instead of relying on you.
not by might nor by strength, but by the Spirit's power, your word says. Jesus, thank you so much for, for taking on all our sin and all our shame and all of our blame and dealing with it lovingly on the cross and then rising three days later to assure us that we have new life. Lord, walk with us side by side in our hearts, in our minds, and with you. Help us to be real. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.